that. And, you know, you can go and, and download or watch all of those uh, services online now. They're posted as well as grab that music video and share that. But an incredible week of inspiration. And really our whole desire at the beginning of this new year is to do everything we can to actually get you to believe by faith that this really could be the best year that you've ever had in your life. The best year physically, the best year spiritually, the best year emotionally and mentally. And I just declare that, that by faith, that's actually what could happen. But there's so much that's within us that doesn't want to believe that to be true. But we're in a series called A New You uh, for a New Year. And I want to pick up where I left off last week and just kind of continue this idea by taking you to the book, to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. The first chapter, Joshua chapter 1, fifth book of the Bible, and picking up with the story of the children of Israel and um, what happened to them after they came up to the edge of the promised land and they decided to look at their future, their destiny with the eyes of fear instead of with the eyes of faith. When you have it, say, I got it. Are you getting there? Okay. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' successor, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that, you, that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given to you, past tense, said, I said to, uh, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, so all the way to the east, the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, the Mediterranean, going down to the west where the sun sets, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong, be of good courage. For to this people, this generation, you will divide as an inheritance this land, which I told their fathers, but they didn't go in. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Look at that. You will. Not you might, but you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. This is, a, this is a guarantee from God. Have I not commanded you then, be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now Joshua, when he heard these words, had a choice to say, I'd either believe that all to be true or I look at it through the eyes of fear. And Joshua commanded immediately his officers, his leaders of the people, saying, Get up, pass through the camp, command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for in three days we will cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Listen, you have a future. God, I don't care how, how messed up your past has been or how many detours you've made or how broken down things have been or all of the mistakes and you said, I didn't expect to be here. There's a certain deja vu that comes at the beginning of every year where you say, you know, I've been here before and I've made these promises before. Listen, God has a great destiny for every single person. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are good. 
They're good plans. I want to give you a hope. I want to give you a future. And so God has that. And by faith, you have a choice before you today. Am I going to look at this passage with the eyes of faith or skepticism and doubt and negativity and fear? I want to lead you in it this morning. It's going to be good. Grab a pen and and a note paper. Let's get ready to go. Heavenly Father, just please help us to, to do just that. Have eyes of faith here, Lord. Let us choose to see exactly what you're saying. And I pray that you'd speak to us this morning in a very powerful way and help us to really do some specific things by the end of this morning that are going to change the direction of the course of our life this year. In Jesus' name, amen. I made a premise uh, last week, and I still stand by it, that the most important thing, the number one factor that's going to determine your success in life this year, whether or not you're going to be happy, whether or not you're going to be unhappy, whether you're going to be successful, whether you'll fail, whether you will move forward, or whether or not you will just kind of drift through this next year, it's going to be the perspective that you choose, your perspective, the way you see things, the way you choose to see uh, the, way, the, the, the way things happen in life and where you're headed and all the things that are coming in, the way you choose to look at it is going to determine your destiny. Your sight just determines that. It's your choice how you're going to look at the new year. Whether or not you look at all of the things that happen with eyes of fear and anxiety and worry and skepticism and negativity and keep on feeding those inputs or you will say, no, this year's going to be different. I choose to believe God and everything he's inspiring within me and things that he's starting to well up within me, I choose to believe and follow, believing he's going to accomplish everything he's stirring up within me. Now, God has a God-given future for you, a preferred future, and it's not automatic. It's not a default future. You get to choose whether or not you go into the destiny or the preferred future that God has for you, and what a tragedy it would be to have a preferred future, which God promises he has for every person, but we live below that, that we don't accomplish it, that we never really understand what it is that he had for us because we were blinded by fear, and we chose to look at things through the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith, and there really are none so blind as those who will not see. And last week we talked about how the Israelites had no excuse. God had just come over and over and over again and had demonstrated his power, demonstrated his love, the fact that he heard them, that he was with them. He actually put his, put his physical presence in the midst of them, led them out of Egypt in miraculous judgments against the Egyptians, set up these 10 tests over a two-year period of time as the million or so people journeyed to the promised land. And he would keep bringing them into opportunities for their faith to grow. Deliberate no-win scenarios that no human eye could see. There's no way out. And God would say, I'm testing you once again. I'm preparing you for the moment when we arrive. And they came to the climax. They came to to the border of the promised land. And he says, all right, this is it. Here you go. I'm about to let you walk into the land of your promise. And Moses sends out the the 12 spies. And you remember how two came back after 40 days with a good report. We can do this. We've seen. We know God's with us. We are well able to accomplish everything that God's told us to do. But 10 came back with a negative report, having seen with the eyes of fear. Their negativity was so contagious. Their skepticism was so deep. Their unbelief was so great, they turned the entire nation to simply say, we can't do this. There's too many. There's too many obstacles. There's, they're, they're, they're too big. We're like insects compared to them. 
We have no power to go into this land. And they began to turn against God. They began to turn against uh, their leaders. They wanted to pick up stones and stone the two people that were encouraging their faith. You see, the harvest of the eyes of fear is bitterness and discouragement and misery and blaming. And so, towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, you read the sad story of how an entire generation could not go into the promised land. And it's not like God was really being so judgmental. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, it says, we see that they could not enter into this land because of their unbelief. God says, I wanted you to go in. I, wasn't, I had challenges for you to accomplish. You were going to drive the inhabitants out as part of my judgment, and you wouldn't do it. And so they were doomed to their own sight and to their own destiny that they chose because of their sight, and they wandered in a substandard, not the God-preferred future that he had for them. And they ended up living their lives in a circle, and they died out in the wilderness. Now, towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, right towards the end, God brings this people full circle. A second generation has come up, and everybody else has died, except for three people, Moses and Joshua and Caleb. But Moses is 120 years old now, and he's about to pass the baton and appoint Moses or Joshua as his successor. And he sits the people down, this new generation, and he begins to go through the law of God and say, listen, today I want you to hear we are back at this same spot. It was a deja vu moment. What a moment of, of sadness for Joshua and Caleb to realize the costly price of disobedience and unbelief that 40 years ago we stood right here. Forty years ago, we could have gone in, but we didn't believe, but the people didn't believe. And so right in this chapter, I want to set up those, these verses we just read with a little passage from the end of Deuteronomy, which just shows the transition about how your destiny really is a choice that you make. In Deuteronomy 30, 15 and following, God says to the people through Moses, I set before you today a choice. You're back here where you started a generation ago. Now you choose life and prosperity or death and destruction. It's a destiny you're going to choose. Life and prosperity or death and destruction. If you love the Lord your God and you walk in his ways and you keep his commands, then you'll live and you will increase and, you, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering. If you want to really live, if you want to increase, if you want God to bless you, well, it's your choice. That's what he's saying. You get to choose that. But if your heart turns away from me, if your heart says, I, I'm going to do what I want to do, I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to see things the way I choose to see them, you will not live long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I've set before you the choices. You can choose life or death or blessings or curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Wow, God has a destiny, a God-preferred future, a place that he's trying to take every single one of you, and your choice is whether or not you'll go into or not based on the perspective that you choose. And it's not just about you. There's so much hanging in the balance. It's everyone in your household. It's all of your children. It's the people who are around you. They're all affected. I think about the critical years that are really before me, and maybe before all of us. I, I have a, 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 an eighth grader that in five years will be sent out into the world graduating. I've got a junior who will be in 18 months, critical years, going out into the world. 
Some of you will be married in the next few months or even a few years. Some of you uh, will begin to have families and children and start that. Some of you uh, will start brand new careers. Others of you are right approaching retirements on the horizon. It's, for all of us, uh, critical years. And what are we going to do with the opportunity of a brand new year before us? I feel like we're on the threshold of something new. And I don't know about you, but I, I want God's preferred future. I want his, his total destiny for me. And I know that you do too. I don't want to choose substandard. I want to know exactly what his good and his perfect plan and his will is for me. I want, I want to know what, his, what is his good and perfect will. I want him to prosper me. I want to know his hope and, and his future for me. And I know that you do too. So how do you prepare for that? How do you go into a future saying, God, I want, to, I want that. I want to be blessed. I want to be successful. I want, I, don't want, to, I want to succeed and not fail. Well, we, we can look at what Joshua did. We can look at his response to the word of the Lord to him in Joshua chapter 1, where God, in, in a very powerful way, lays out, here's the pathway to success in life. Guaranteed. Guaranteed pathway to success and prosperity in life. The first thing he tells Joshua to do in preparing for his destiny and really for yours and mine, it's this. Number one, you got to prepare a plan. You don't just drift into God's preferred future. It doesn't automatically happen. It's a plan that you choose. You, you set some goals. The Bible talks about how it's foolish not to plan, how, how to not think ahead is not wise, that you got to know where you're going. And in verse 1, uh, he says to Moses, uh, God says, God says uh, to Joshua after the death of Moses, first thing he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm giving you. You've got to make some preparations. And he goes in to list some very specific boundaries of the land where he's going to take him. And so Joshua has to think about the places he's going to have to go and the places he needs to put his foot in order to receive the total blessing and the promise that God has. Make some preparations. Make some, some plans. And I find it really interesting. The first thing he says to him is this. Moses is dead. In other words, that era is over. The past is the past. You can't change it. Don't look back. You know, Moses is gone. You need to move forward. Let him go. And there are some things that all of us need to probably let go of, some things that we still carry on to, memories and, 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 and things that are burdens and things that just need to be buried. You can't get on with the great future God has for you when you're nursing on to things from the past. So the Moses era is over. It's time to be able to say at the beginning of this year, if you want the greatness of God, it's time to let foolishness and it's time to let uh, a bitterness and time to let some unforgiveness and to let the past be in the past and we cut the cords and we walk into freedom. It's a new day, and I want to say that just for somebody here today. It's your time. This is a brand new season, and you can move forward in freedom. He says, get ready to cross the Jordan. Prepare. Go forward. Plan it out. In verse 10, he, Joshua says to, the, to his leaders, tell the people to make provisions, to prepare to go into the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. Pack your bags, because the future is for the person who prepares for it for the person who plans for it. And so I want to ask you, where do you plan to be at the end of this year? What are the, what are the goals that you believe that I'm going to set that God will bless? God, God these are the goals that I'm going, to, I'm going to direct my life towards, believing that you are going to bless these things. I mean, what, what goals have you written down for your marriage? What do you mean by marriage? Yeah, yeah if your marriage, what goals have you written down for your family? Have you written down any specific goals for your dating relationships? 
that you believe this is what God will bless if I do these things and go after these goals, God is going to bless me for it. Have you written down or made any preparations for your financial situation? Have you, have you made any plans about your career? This is how God, I believe, would bless my business, and here are the plans that I will make to honor him. What about your friendships? What, what about all the things that God has given you? You see, you don't just drift into God's preferred destiny. The Bible has so much to say about the wisdom of, of making plans. And the Bible talks about, you know, in Proverbs about how wise the ant is. It just instinctively knows that it has to prepare. It works hard and it saves and it plans and they store up all winter for the summer. And so, you know, some people have no financial plan at all. They don't save a thing. They just spend everything that they make. And you'll never walk into God's preferred future living like that. Jesus said it like this. No king goes into a battle without first making a plan. No builder builds a building without first assessing the cost and making a plan. Some people spend actually more time writing out their plans for vacation than they do for their life. Some people, I've met brides, they'll, they'll plan for years for a wedding day and make no plan for their marriage. Now, come on now. What are you going to do about the life that you're living together. What plans have you written down? The Bible says if you commit to the Lord, whatever you do, then your plans will succeed. But the problem is God can't bless your plans if you don't have a plan. You've never made a plan. You don't have a goal. You haven't actually written down something to say, I believe this is a goal that God is going to bless for this year. Now, Darren, how do I know that my goals are good? And how do I know that the goals will, God will bless them? And how do I know uh, what it is to, to really have a successful goal that God will prosper? I'm so glad you asked because it's right here in the text. It's the second point. In 2013, if you want to be successful, the second point is, is to become this year. You decide. Make this your goal. And, and if not this year, when? To, you will become a man or a woman of God's word. When is that ever going to happen? When is the time that you will ever say, this is the year that I truly become a man or a woman of the Word of God? Knowing the Word of God is the key to your success. He says to Joshua, be careful. You know, be careful to obey uh, all of the law, not some of it or a piece of it, but, but take it all in, that what Moses gave to you. Don't turn to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Wouldn't you like to have that, that ability to be successful wherever you go? It's just sort of the default direction. That's because the Word of God is not off in the page or on the p- tablet, but it's in you. And it's sort of like the compass that guides. It's, God, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. God, God's word is so deep within you, you've meditated it. Look what he says. You, you, know, you study it, you meditate on it, but, but you're careful to obey it. The Bible says that Jesus actually is the word of God. And so when we take the word of God in, we're actually taking in Jesus. And the whole goal of life, the whole, if you're a believer in Jesus, your whole primary goal in life is to become like him. And so, so is this the year, or will it be another year? If you want God's preferred future, the destiny for you, when is the year that you will say, this is, this is it, I'm going to make it a priority, that I'll be a person of the word? The Bible says that those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. So, so if you seek anything other than God, there's no guarantee for success in God's word. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything will be given to you as well. I got off the phone yesterday with a friend of mine who lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. He owns more of the internet than any person in the world. He, is a, he owns more internet real estate, domain names, 
And early in his 20s, he decided that what he was going to do and spend more time on than anything was taking in the Word of God. No wonder he is as successful as he is. And he said yesterday, he says, I made it early on. I decided I can't have two masters. I can't serve money or serve an ambition. Or So I decided I would seek God and seek his Word, knowing that his wisdom would come to me and I would by default make right choices in my life. It's a powerful statement. He's one of the most prosperous and successful people in the entire world. Will, will you or will you not make it a point to become a man or woman of the word? And will you see that statement that I'm making now through the eyes of faith? Or are you hearing it with eyes of, or seeing it with the eyes of, of skepticism? And, under, and, and I'm not, I don't know if I can. I, I, I think the giants are too great. I think the obstacles are too many. What excuses do you make for that? Or do you see with the eyes of faith that this really could be something that the Holy Spirit would enable me to do? He says, don't get sidetracked. He says, don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't get caught up in, in busyness or silliness or, or things that, that distract or pull you away. If you really want success and you want to be prosperous, then become a man or woman of God's word. The more you become a person of the word, the more you will, by default, walk into the default preferred future, the God-given future that he has for your life. Does anybody say amen to that? Do you know that to be true? Prepare a plan, become a man or woman of the word of God. And the third thing to be successful, and here's your choice. Will you or will you not boldly start to walk into a future with eyes of faith on as the default? I mean, listen, this whole world is tuned to negativity. This whole world, the channel is fear-based. Everything is being sold to you by fear. And you're going to have to make a deliberate choice. This is the year that I make a decision. Number one, I'm going to write down my goals. My goals that will take me forward. These are the plans that I have to get me on track with God. This is the year I become a man or woman of God's word. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I'm going to choose to have the eyes of faith in every situation. Three times, uh, God says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. It's kind of like he's repeating it. Be strong and be courageous. Why? Because the default pattern is fear and negativity. And you need to be constantly hearing God say to you, come on, be strong, be courageous. Why? Because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Why would he need to have that said three times? Because just imagine the intimidation factor. You're asking me uh, to, to follow in the, foot, in, the, in the shoes of Moses? Talk about intimidation. Talk about not feeling up to the task. Talk about saying, well, Pastor Darren, he could understand and be a man of the word, but I, I can't do that. Listen, what's your excuse? There's, there, there was fear in saying, I can't walk into those footsteps. And three times God is saying, look, I'm telling you, look at this with the eyes of faith. You be strong and you be courageous because I'll be with you. No one's going to be able to defeat you. I'll be with you your whole life. And just as Moses is dead, but I'm still alive. And even though, uh, even though uh, he's gone, I'm with you. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to defeat everything that comes in your path. And as I was Moses, I'll be with you. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. Imagine just the fear of the complexity of the problems. You have complex problems, right? Like stuff you can't figure out and stuff that comes at you and you're wondering, God, what do you expect me to do about this? Moses, uh, Joshua's no different. You want me to move a million people across a flood stage river in spring in three days? How do I do that? God's silent about the how, by the way. In three days, you're going to get up and walk across, and Joshua has to decide. I don't know what he's going to do, but I've got to trust him that he will make a way, but I'm going to obey and do exactly what he says. Let's talk to the leaders. God said, go. I believe. Be strong and very courageous the third time. 
Because God says, listen, have I not said this to be true? Have I not commanded you? And then he says something else. It's not just that I'm with you, but he says, I'm a God who keeps my promise. Because I promised to the previous generation that you would go in, and I'm not about to break my word. So whether it's this generation or the next, there will be a people in this land, and you get to choose if it's going to be you or somebody else, but I will keep my word. I do not break my promises. If you hold on to my word, then I will take you through. Come on, somebody, that is really good stuff. God says, I'll be with you, and I don't break my promises. You latch on to a promise in my word, and I'm not going to break it. I'll be with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. In other words, you know, don't be fearful. Don't look at things through the eyes of fear or through the eyes of discouragement, the two things that are the enemies of the eyes of faith, fear and discouragement. Fear is what, what, what keeps you from getting started, and discouragement makes you want to quit and not finish. God says, be strong now. Be courageous. This is the year, friends, where you get to make some choices to say, no, no more living back in the default drifting in the wilderness. This is the year that I become the man or the woman of God I was intended to be. I believe that he's with me. I believe he keeps his promises. I'm going to set some goals. I'm going to become a man or woman of his word, and I'm going to put on the eyes of faith. Listen, this is, this is the challenge. He walks forward in faith, and God, uh, God has not told him the how, but he says, let's march towards the Jordan. The first day they march, and God doesn't speak. You ever been in that situation where you stepped out on faith and God is silent? And you're saying, God, I hope you show up. And people are starting to ask questions, like, what are we going to do about this? And you don't really know. All I know is God said to do this, and I'm stepping out. Second day, God's still silent. But on the third day, on the third day, God begins to say, now listen, this is what I'm going to do. You stepped out in faith today, I'll lift you up in the eyes of the people. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And I wonder if Joshua didn't think, just like at the Red Sea, I bet he's going to part the waters. But God never does things exactly the same way twice because he wants you to have your own faith, a new faith, faith that's yours, not your parents or some other generations. He's going to do it new for you. So this time he doesn't say, you know, go up and stand and I'll part it for you. This time he says, you go up to the Jordan, take the worship leaders, the priests, put them in front, send them out ahead and make them walk into the water and actually put their feet in the water. They're going to have to step into the water and then I'll stop the waters and roll them back. Sometimes the first step is the scariest step. And sometimes you don't see how it's going to be. And sometimes you're going to have, God's going to say to you, I'm not going to move until you take a step of faith. You say, well, if I see it, I can believe it. God says, no, no, if you believe it, then you'll see it. I'll do a miracle for you, but you've got to step out into the water. So, so imagine the, 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 the sense of these men walking towards a flood stage, raging, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, people behind, kind of like, we're the guinea pigs, you know, good luck, guys. And, and, and they walk towards the water, and when they put their soles of their feet into the water, 17 miles upriver, Joshua chapter 3 says, the waters begin to pile up. And they walk through on dry land. And when the nations of of that region, the 10 nations that were so large and were so big and were, were so strong and were so mighty, they began to quake and tremble because they knew that God was leading a people into their territory, that God was with them. In the midst of a raging flood of your life, when you can't see your way through, if you'll just begin to praise God, if you'll just go with worship in front, if you'll go ahead and take out a step of faith, God is going to make a way and part the waters and show you what you're supposed to do. I want to ask you today, what is your Jordan? 
what is this barrier that's so big that you say, yeah, Darren, I hear you, but, you know, in this situation, I don't see, I don't see how it could work out. I, I don't think that I could ever be this, or I don't think, I, I've made too many mistakes. I've sinned too much, or I, I, I've, I've gone around the desert too much. What is the place where you need to step of faith? What, is, what fear is holding you back? Have you set any goals for this year? Or are you just drifting in? What goal do you need to say this year it's going to be different? You don't have to have every detail worked out. You don't even have to know how it's going to work out. But you already know, I'm sure, some of you, what exactly it is that God is saying, I want you to set a goal for this area of your life. I want you to set a goal for your marriage. What do you mean my marriage? You don't have a goal for your marriage, then your marriage is going to stay exactly like it is. It's not going to get any better. But if you decide, I'm going to bring myself into my marriage a different person this year by the grace of God. As I became a man or a woman of God, it's going to change. I have a goal for my marriage. I have a goal for my finances. You don't have one? Then you'll stay the same, and you may even go into more debt. Do you have a goal for your career? Well, I don't know what you mean. Well, think about it. What goal for your business? What might God bless? Sit down and think. If I make these decisions, is God going to bless this? Is God going to prosper this? If I take on this new behavior, will God bless me more? Test him and see if he doesn't honor the goals that you make in faith. What goal do you have for your relationship with Christ this year? Well, I don't know if I have a goal. I just kind of go to church. (laughs) Listen, what goal do you have to know Christ more and to follow him more and to let your heart be more filled with him? If you're saying, well, I don't have a goal, I just go to church and hear it from Derek. Listen, the time is over for you just to be a consumer and just a, just a, a spoon-fed person of God's word. Will you become, or not, this year, a man or a woman of God's word? What a great goal. Why wouldn't you say, this is the year I'm going to decide to, to, read, to, to read through the Bible the entire year? There's enough uh, software or, or stuff on your phone. You can get a reading plan, and you can just get up every day and say, this year I'm going to be a man or a woman of God's Word. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to study it. I'm going to memorize some of it. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm going to be a person of God's Word. I'm going to get some people into my life. Now, see, we're going to set some goals together. And I want to tell you about a few of them. Number one is this. Um, next week, I'm doing a class, which I do every month. It's called Heartland 101. And in that class, I talk about the five purposes God has for your life. If you don't know what they are, if you've never considered them, if you're new to Heartland, you don't know what this is all about, you should come to this class and just spend an afternoon with me next Sunday at class 101 for a few hours, and I will explain the purposes that God has already declared over your life. And if you align yourself with those purposes, your life's going to be successful. In six weeks, or excuse me, in four weeks, we're going to start a brand new six-week series called Discover My Calling. What is the calling that God has? Ten years ago, our church read a book together by uh, Pastor Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. And it was the most powerful thing that we ever did as a church together, and it set our church on the momentum for which it is today. Well, it's the 10-year anniversary of that book, and Pastor Rick has rewritten two new chapters, edited the whole book. There's a whole bunch of new content, and we're going to go through that book together as a church. There are six small group studies that we're going to do together. I'm going to align the weekend messages, and we're going to walk through and discover the calling God has for every person. And so my goal for every one of you is that every person for six weeks get into a small group. Oh, I don't know about that, Darren. Well, do you want to get connected with the body of Christ and grow, or do you think you can do it your way? God says, come together and be connected and grow in the body of Christ as God intends it to grow. And I'm not asking you for the rest of your life. You can, you can put up with anybody for six weeks, right? 
So get into a group. And for this to occur, this is what it's going to take from all of us. It's going to take, in the next four weeks as we get ready, about 40 families or 40 homes to say, I'll host a group. I've never done it before, but I'm willing to open my home, serve some coffee and some snacks, and just be nice and smile and invite people in and press play on the DVD and, uh, we'll, and, and facilitate. We'll give you some training. But I need 40 people to say, I'll start a group. Some of you have been in the same group for three, four years and God's saying to you, I need some Caleb's and I need some Joshua's. Not just men, but men and women. I need some leaders that are going to say, I'm ready to take it seriously. I'm ready to, to take responsibility for some other people. Or maybe you want to stay in your group and start another one and still stay in the group that you have. Whatever you do, God's putting his call on about 40 people to say, I'm ready to lead others. I'm so serious about this that all of us need this. For every person that gets into a group and joins a group, we're going to give a free copy of Pastor Rick's book. We're buying the books and we're going to have a free copy to every household uh, so that we can do this together. Because it is going to be a life-changing six weeks that we're going to get. And we're preparing now for it. We're making a plan. And then I have one more thing I want you to do. This is a godly goal that God will bless. If you do this, God will bless you because it is the mission of the church of Jesus. And that is that you would start to pray for one person that you know that is not a Christian. Not, they don't go to another church. They didn't grow up in your house. So they're, they're, I mean, this is a person that does not know Jesus Christ. They're far from God. They are unsaved. And you begin to say, I will start to pray specifically for this person. God, give me a heart of kindness. Open my heart to them that maybe in the next four weeks, God will use you to bring them and invite them to come and see and to hear the message that God will put on our hearts together. That's what I'm asking from you. These are the plans. Now, here's how I close. Twelve men went into the promised land to see what God would say. Now, ten came back and said, I don't even see it. I don't get it. I don't believe. And they didn't go into the plan that God had for them, and they died in the wilderness, and we don't know any of their names. They just disappeared. Because we never follow or listen or care about anybody who says it can't be done. But the two people who says, we can do this, we can go for it, we are still saying their names 4,000 years later in Fishers, Indiana. Caleb and Joshua. And that's what God wants some of you to be. I want some of you to say, this is the year I will be a leader. I will be, the, the Bible says that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray and ask God that he will send laborers into the harvest field. I'm begging you for the sake of Jesus that some of you will say, this is the year I personally, that's for me in my house. I will be a man. I'll be a woman of God. I'll take it to you. I'll make a plan. I'll make some goals. I'll get into his word. I'm going to start looking at life through the eyes of faith. If you do this, he will take you further this year than you ever dreamed possible. He will make you successful. He will prosper you. You'll be the best year that you've ever had. I guarantee it according to God's word. Do you receive that today? All right. Let me pray for you. Let me lead you in a prayer of commitment. Here's this prayer. Just say, God, this is me. Father, I open my heart to you. I ask you to help me this week to start writing down some goals for every area of my life. I pray that you would give me a desire for your word and I make a commitment to be a man or a woman of your word this year I'll set a plan this week I want to know what it is that you call success and you call prosperity God I pray that you give me boldness 
to do whatever it is you tell me to do. Some of you say, Darren, I'll be baptized even today. God, I pray that you'll give me the courage to start tithing this year. I, give me, I pray you'll give me the courage to get connected and to be part of a group. God, give me the courage to open up my home and to be a leader. I don't even know what I'm doing, but you promised you'd be with me. You'd never forsake me, and you would make it all happen because you'll show me the how when I say the yes. So, God, I pray that you bless these commitments. And for the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ today and you're far from him and you want to be reconnected or you want to make a decision to have peace with God, just pray this prayer. God, I'm, I'm coming to you as humbly as I can. I, I know that you're God and I'm not and I've been pretending and trying to control everything in my life. And today I say yes to you. I hold nothing back and I invite you, Jesus Christ, to be the boss, the one in charge, the Lord of my life. I don't know how yet, but will you align me? Will you make what's crooked straight? Will you forgive me and turn my life around? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your success. This is really going to be the year of your destiny with God. I hope you believe that. God bless you guys.